Hey everybody, this is Jeff Peterson and this is the Interstate of Music podcast. And today I've got a really, really cool guest. And the reason why I say that is because Jake Summers, number one, he's an amazing drummer. He's touring right now with Luke Combs. Um, and But the, the cool part about, about Jake is he's not just a touring drummer. He is a student of his craft and he's a sharer of his skills and craft with others. So, Jake, welcome welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being on here. So I want I wanted to give everybody a little bit of depth about who you are and how you kind of got to this, you know, major touring artist. And, and there's a there's st- backstory to that, and I want to find out a little bit about it. Have you been solely a drummer for like your whole life and what does your whole life mean as far as how long you've been hitting skins? <laughs> um, so my first instrument was actually piano. And yeah, my first instrument was piano, which I still tinker with a little bit here and there. Okay. And then um, uh, I always had music around me. My dad's been playing guitar and singing since he was 14. So I always was infatuated when I saw him. Um, but uh, I got my first drum set when I was six, and I just took what, to it. What, was it from, like, a relative that didn't live in the house? That's always, like, the story. It's like, if you re- really want to piss your brother off, buy his kid a drum <laughs> kit at age six. <laughs> Actually, no. Um, so I am an only child, and at, this kind of goes a little further back, but when I was roughly around three years old, I went to an uh, older cousin's wedding. And you could picture like me with like little glasses on, a little suit, whatever. And um, I had gone up to the band leader and asked if I could play the drums. My feet couldn't touch the pedals, but I, you know, they said yes. So I just kind of took to it. I didn't really know exactly what I was doing at three years old. My parents were kind of like, okay, like we could see he loves this. So at six years old, they got me this drum set by a company called Max, M A X X. And I remember it was like, flat black uh it was a five piece it had sabian b8 symbols and i just played it every single day i'd come home from school drop my book bag off i'd probably play for four to five hours a day and then i started taking lessons played the records all that stuff um just did that you know all the time and was it like, was it just so was, when you sat down and just saw all of this stuff around you that could make noise because at three years old you're you're not thinking about the the, how each is going to play off of each other you're looking at this and going oh my gosh this is so much stuff to just play with you know have fun hitting yeah at three years old i you know i didn't know what i was doing i just like up there i don't really even recall that time that well i just know some stories but at six years old when they got me my first drum set i sat down and it just came naturally to me so i'm left-handed I play open-handed. Okay. Um, so I'm, I guess, a rare breed in this sure. field because there's not many. But um, but I just took to it, and it just came naturally to me, thankfully. I mean, I still took lessons, because I and I still do because I w- always want to get better. But um, I have tried setting the drums up as a lefty would, and my left foot does not want to operate that way. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I've always played the drums. And then at, uh, you know, 13 years old, my dad got me an acoustic guitar, which was left-handed. And uh, I took lessons on that too. 
So I play, I've been playing guitar since I was 13. So you so talked I, about piano. Drums is clearly the direction that it just engulfed you and you really wanted to get good at. Yeah, that, that's the main one. So were you ever one that would start, did you start writing any of your own music, any of your own, like whether it's, you know, drum solos, whether it's guitar riffs type things? Were you ever like thinking in the way of outside of the lessons and, the, and learning certain songs that already existed? Were you ever tinkering around with like trying to come up with your own? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was maybe 19, 20, I'd write all my own. I was writing all my own songs. I grew up on rock and roll, like the Beatles and all that stuff. But then also, you know, found my own music that I enjoyed. And I was writing all my own songs. I was recording everything on all the songs, um, producing them myself. Obviously, at that, you know, age, I, I was doing what I thought was best to my ear. But I know it could be a lot better now. But um, since moving to Nashville, I kind of stopped writing just because there's so many writers here. And there's, they're, you know, there's like some of the best writers here in town. So good. But also, I know what my lane is. So. so when you wrote music, I always wonder mm -hmm. about this. Now, Phil Collins is obviously, you know, this guy that wrote music playing drums. Did you write music using the piano, the guitar, or did you write it in a, as, a, as a view from a drummer? So I actually wrote it on guitar, okay. funny enough. And then... I thought when writing it, how would the drum sound? You know, what, what would the drums do? And how, many how would they play? Could the you drum? put into this song because you wanted? Oh, <laughs> you're a definitely no solos. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And were you always? What genre of music would you say that your songs that you were writing when you were twenty, you know, younger twenties? What genre of music do you think it kind of fit into? Was it rock and roll? Yeah, I would say rock and roll, pop rock, you know, the stuff I was listening to in high school. I mean, I love the Foo Fighters. They're my favorite rock band. Unbelievable. But uh, I listened to a lot of that, like, alternative rock stuff back in the day, too. So it was kind of an amalgamation of both um, your, your or whatever style, I was feeling at the time. Your style of drumming, if you were to, like, say it was kind of a blend of this, this, or that, what? how would you describe your style and the way that you kind of yourself out there and your twist on the on the skills um well to kind of i guess jump back a little bit from this question of how i would form everything so i went to school for music in philadelphia and i studied jazz there i studied funk latin everything under the sun wow um and it was at a place called Univers university of the arts and i had amazing teachers there i also had amazing teachers prior to going to college and um, granted, now in what I do, can't really play, can't really take the Latin stuff or the jazz stuff into the music I'm playing. But learning those genres still bleed into what I'm playing now, like technique-wise and all that stuff. Um, but I would say our shows kind of like the heavier songs are more like definitely rock. Okay. Um, we definitely beef them up a bit. Sure. So I'd say it's a mix of rock and, I mean, the style is like rock and country of how I play with, with this gig at least. But like, yeah. I mean, I still play the song. You know, I play what's on the record. Yeah. Um, I want to do whoever 
recorded the drums, do them justice and all that stuff. I also like being a drummer who um, plays to the song or plays for the song. I don't want to, I don't like changing something. I mean, if I'm recording on my own for somebody else, then obviously I can have my own creative yep. freedom. Absolutely. But when it comes to, I think when it comes to playing a song in front of a crowd, you should play it as it was played on the record because that's what they're going to want to hear. Just yes. like playing just like playing a guitar solo. You know, they're going to want to hear that signature lick. Yep. If you don't play that, someone's going to know and be like, hey, that's not right. Yep. Or that's not what I wanted to hear. Or just that. Yeah, that's thing. not what yep. I wanted to hear. Yep. That's that's a and for for you as a musician to like think about the fan, that's that's a great connectivity. And I think that that's a strength of especially at the level that you're at and being, you know, touring, caring about the fans to that level of saying, hey, we know what you're here for and we're going to give it to you, but we're going to give it to you with that extra energy of being a live performance. And that's where you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it in the production. The, you know, the energy that you see us expressing in that music, you know, at our live shows, but you're going to hear what you, what you love, you know, coming from. Yeah. Us. And I also think like, um, within the, within our show, you know, he has up-tempo songs. He's got like rock, rockish songs. He's got ballads. So it's like, yep. you can still put yourself within each song of how you should play it like a ballad. I'm not going to be hitting really hard like a song that is more you know that's heavier i'm going to tone it down still play and have good time and feel and make it groove and make people feel good yep no that's awesome now being a touring musician period it can get like all-encompassing i'm sure as far as the the time the travel um just how it just can can wear on you how do you keep doing all of the things that you're still passionate about, like like teaching a workshop or a clinic, or you know, you, you know, I think you're you're even like wanting to do virtual lessons for people. And how do you fit all of this in? And how do you keep that passion alive? Like a lot of people would say, you know what, I'm touring. That's a like I'm good. This is what I've played for my whole life. How do you even keep that passion alive inside you? Why is it so important to you? Um. Well. The way we had scheduled these clinics is for this tour, it's all secondary markets and we're doing two shows in each city. So I know from last year's tour is the same deal, but bigger markets. And every second show, we wouldn't do a sound check because we did it Friday. Yep. So we'd have all day Saturday to do whatever you wanted till we do the show. So our bass player and I thought, let's do these on Saturday mornings. We'll do it around 10, 11 a.m. They're usually an hour and a half. We'll still be back in case we had something to do at 1, 1.30. And uh, aside from that, I mean, like the teaching I do from home, so that I don't do on the road, but I, uh, I really enjoy working out, and I think that's part of it. And something I talk about in these clinics is when you're on the road, being mentally and physically, like, how to handle it and how to um, not overwhelm yourself. So for me, I know that I feel really great after a workout. Also, I want my body to be able to do what I needed to do day in and day out. 
So that's why it's, I feel like it's important for me as a drummer to be in good shape aside from, you know, just myself, regardless of drumming, I want to be in good shape yeah. for just to live a long life. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the longevity of a career, period. And let's face it, your, your stamina for a live show while touring has to be, like, tops on everybody that's on that stage. I mean, you're the one that is yeah. physically putting out so much more effort physically than anybody else on that stage. So, I mean, your, your focus on that is really focusing not just on how you're feeling, but saying, hey, I love what I do, and I want to do this for a long time. Yeah, and also, like, it's really important that I think a lot of guys sometimes forget, you still, you, you got to breathe, you know, when you're playing. And um, You can't be gassed the whole show. Huge thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's why, that's the beauty of, like, having some slower songs in there, because you don't have to really do the, oh, I'm bringing my arms up to the, you know, to the, to as high as they can go for the person all the way in the top row to see it. You know, you can kind of tone down a bit and save that energy till there's another song that needs that power or um or that uh full display of uh emotion, I guess. So quick, quick question quick question for you. You bring up something and so much of what you say has to do with trying to help other drummers master their craft and get better and then also the fans that are coming to your shows i when you say you know for the person that's in that top row to be able to see you that's really something that you pay attention to and focus on isn't it i mean the the show for the fans of what you're doing versus just the sound coming out you're you're thinking about that whole experience for your fans that are, that are seeing you on that stage because everybody pays attention to the drummer. I mean, you're you are right there and you are moving like crazy, and that's something that you're putting into the thought process on the songs and how you're doing that. I mean, now it just comes naturally, and it just depends on the song. But so from May to July, we kind of did like a little test run of we did four stadiums three nfl stadiums we did denver we did seattle we did um we did atlanta for the nfl ones and then we did this festival at the ohio buckeyes stadium the shoe yep and within each of those um you know there's a stage then there's the whole crowd and everything and you still have that person at the very top who bought that seat and they want to see the same show as the people in the pit. And you got to give it to them. You got to bring the energy. You got to bring, you want to make them feel what the people that are in the pit feeling too. I, I love that. I love that about who you are as a person, because I don't know that that's what everybody thinks like. I honestly don't. I don't think that that's uh, a, a commonality with everybody that's out there doing it. Um, and I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that and actually being that person because that's a that's a big deal now here's you you earlier mentioned that you still take lessons yeah when i can i definitely uh i try to when you're a touring musician top of your craft in a sense i know tiger woods and you know you know 
Major League Baseball players still have their hitting instructors and their, their golf teachers, all that kind of stuff. How do you, as a touring musician, how do you find someone that you know is going to bring you and help you with your technique? How do you find that person when you're somebody that everybody thinks would be going to for you to tell them how to do it? Um, well, I actually have a buddy of mine who plays for John Party, who I've had a few, who I've taken a few lessons with. And what I love about him, he's straight to the point. You know, he's like, hey, like, just play and then, you know, he'll assess and we'll work on stuff. And, but the last time he saw, we did the last time we did a show together, he got to see a bit of it and he goes, I mean, he, he already knew like I can play. Sure. Um, you know, from the few lessons we had, uh, that next time he saw me play and we did a show together, he was watching a little bit from behind my riser and he texted me afterwards. He goes, dude, you're an animal. Like you sound great. Everything feels great. All that stuff. Like you, I can tell you, like you've been working, you know, you've been practicing and obviously the more you play, the better you get at what you want to get better at anyway. Yep. And, um, and his name is Kevin Murphy, who's a wonderful, wonderful guy, wonderful drummer. But I've studied with some incredible drummers prior to moving to Nashville. Um, one whose name is Dom Famulero, who uh, I studied with since I was 15, you know, whenever he was in town. Um, and then one of his protégés, John Favicchia, who's also an incredible drummer, both New York guys, because that's where I'm from. And then when I studied in Philadelphia, I studied with an amazing teacher, Mark DiGiani, who I'm still super close with today. I'm close with all these guys still. Yeah. And I got to sit with uh, a guy named Jimmy Paxson, who was Stevie Nicks' drummer, who's been with the Chicks and Lindsey Buckingham for a long time. And then Stevie Wonder's longtime drummer and Diana Ross's longtime drummer named Jerry Brown, who I got to study with. And he's like the king of groove. You know, he was Stevie's, Stevie Wonder's, you know, original guy and was with him for a really, you know, really long time. And to learn from all these guys and kind of take what they've all learned and use it towards my playing has been awesome. So I, I love your openness to the styles and just taking it and then, you know, assessing and just kind of seeing where something might fit for you. Um, and then just working through it. I, I think that's amazing. The gear that you use. Yeah. When, when you're deciding like what snare you're using, what, what drum kits you're using, the brand of cymbals, the sticks, all of that. Is this, is it, is it a feel? Is it that sound? Like what goes into it? I know you're, you're playing, um, I think your cymbals are Sabian. Um, is that yep, correct? They definitely are. Yeah, they tell definitely me, are. Tell me why. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you want, we can just go through the whole list of companies that I play and all please, that stuff. Please, please do. I'd love to hear it. And a little bit of like the decision process. Now it's not when you hit a certain level, I know all the manufacturers start coming at you and saying, Hey, will you play our stuff? You're going to be in front of, you know, millions of fans throughout a tour. We want to get the exposure, but I think in, in getting to know you just in this short time, I have a feeling you're only going to play what you want to play that feels right and for the music and what, what it's going to do for you and your style. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you play. Yeah, of course. So I play Yamaha drums. Okay. Um, I got, I actually got 
with them through one of my former teachers who's still with them. And I, you know, I, everybody loves the recording custom series. Steve Gadd, you know, he made that kit famous and they sound great. So I play those on the road now. Um, and I'm hopefully going to be getting a new kit for next year. <laughs> they can make it for me. Shout for out next for year's new kit. Work. Um, but no, they're, they're, they're incredible. They treat me really, really well. Um, and I mean, one of the things I love about them, aside from just, they sound amazing is I've had other drums where you go from show to show, obviously due to weather as well, the stuff with these drums. I remember the first time I met my tech in 2019 and we were done touring 2018. They were in my vault, in our locker for, I don't know, a month and a half, two months, not touched. Yeah. We set them up, hit them, and he was blown away. He was like, these sound great. How long were they in here for? And I told him, but, you know, there's been shows where like these two in a rows where he might tune them the first day and then hardly have to touch them the second day. Um, and they just, they make great products. Yeah. Um, even like I play all their hardware, I play their pedals and everything holds up and it's a small, the drum department itself is kind of small for them, but it's, it's a very family oriented company. And, um, and I know like if I really needed something, they would get it to me. Like I needed a DTX multi 12 pad to start and stop the click, which now my uh, my tech is doing, which is wonderful, leaves me just to play drums. Right. But they got that to me super quickly when I needed it. And um, their stuff just feels good. And it, it sounds good, it looks good. Yep. Um, I love, like my main snare drum is a 14 by six and a half brass recording custom, and it sounds so good. And I have two of them. One's my backup, actually. And then, um, so that's that's my Yamaha rig right there in a nutshell. And then I play Sabian cymbals. Um, they treat me really well. Um, everybody who I've gotten to know there, like my main rep, uh, and then the person who put us in touch here, uh, and then somebody else who I just got to have at a show who works for Sabian as well. Um, and, you know, Andy, who's like the guy, they're all incredible people. And they all, you know, whenever I talk to them, it's like not a day goes by. Um, and I, I love their gear. I think they're also very, they're always coming up with something new and their sound. I love their sound. I've been with them since 20 beginning of 2017. Wow. And, um, I just, I love what they come up with. You know, I, the first time I played my favorite symbols from them now are the HHX complex series. And I remember going to NAM in 2020. And I was talking to one of the guys there that I knew. And I was like, you know, I really like these symbols. I want to pick some out. And he's like, yeah, you know, can I, I'll love to help you. I was like, sure. I was like, I'd love that. And, he, and I was like, you know, we're playing SNL in a few weeks. I'd like to use these on there. He goes, okay, like we'll get them to you, everything like that. <laughs> right. So I got to use them on SNL, which is really cool. And now I have, at least with the crashes, I have two of each in case one goes down right and um but yeah they sound great um they they don't uh their decay isn't that long so it works perfectly for our music okay. um and 
Yeah, I mean, anything Sabian makes sounds, you know, you could fit it into some genre of music, which I love. Right. How often um, will you take a new symbol and mix it in and see if you like the sound or the difference? Or how much do you just, once you kind of fit in and you've got it, you just kind of want to hone in on it and work through that, that set that you have versus constantly adding. So many musicians become just, I want the next greatest, I want the newest, you know, and, and they're not concerned as much about what that's doing for them as a musician, but it's just fun for them to add to what they have for their own collection and sound. How much of that, of that is you? How much are you trying to bring and incorporate new equipment or new gear as it comes out, or are you kind of setting in and just really kind of getting comfortable with what you've got? So over the years since being with them, I've tried different things um, just to see if it worked, but I've kind of landed on this setup that I love and I know it works really well. Maybe I would change a ride symbol out just to like try it and see how it sounds. And I would always ask our front of house guy like, oh, what do you think of this? Um, and if he was like, it sounds good, but you know, I really like what we've been using. So I'll just switch back. But, um, yeah, the, I mean the, the symbols that I use now, it's kind of been the sound since 20, 2020 for the few shows we got to do then, <laughs> but yeah, like right, pretty right. much, you know, all last year and you know, this year and all that stuff. So, um, it just, it works, you know, it, it works with the vocals. It works with the guitars and, um, you know, if they, I'm sure they'll come out with new stuff soon. And, you know, if I'm able to get my hands on it and try it out, I will. But for what we have now, it, it works well. I don't really, I don't want to add on unless I really need to. Yep. And it doesn't make sense. I don't think personally it makes sense to add on if it's not going to be used within the songs. And then it's just there and you kind of want to hit it just to hit it. Yep. Um so I'd rather have everything that I know I'm going to be using day in and day out yep. and not have to think, oh, I want to hit that new symbol. Like, I know where these should be placed and all that stuff. Like, I have a China, I have a 21-inch China symbol that I use for a few songs, and it works because in this setting we're about to do, which you'll see on Friday, is just 360 in the round. And during these shows, I give Luke a drumstick at the very end of the last song and he comes and we beat the living daylights out of the China symbol to where the crowd loves it and all that stuff. Yep. And, um, and that just became part of the show. Like last year it's just become, I, I didn't tell him to do it. He just did it instinctively and people love it. And, uh, so yeah, now it's a thing and, and, uh, you know, it works. It's cool. So how, how different is the energy of live performances now versus two years ago, right before everything kind of shut down. Is there a whole different energy and appreciation for live performances, not just in the fans, but also you guys on stage? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're up there and you truly love doing what you do, you should never take it for granted, but I think after everything that occurred in 2020 and, you know, it was great to be back last year, but just getting back to doing what you love, we all have even more of an appreciation for it than we already had. And we're just, we're now just excited to, we, we have been obviously, but we're still excited to play shows and 
you know, give the crowd the best show we can. And I mean, I think even if you're like, there's been some shows where I'll have a headache in the middle of the show and, and I'm still giving it 110%. I'm fighting it, but yeah. you know, you got to do it. Right. So, uh, I, I've never missed a single show from the inception. That's unbelievable. I mean, that's so. back to back to your, you know, regime of working out and staying fit, staying healthy and caring about that. That helps you kind of handle the roller coaster of just the things that happen, you know, while yeah, you're traveling and, and, and you're going to get sick in some degree and you're not going to feel as good for one show as another show. But being able to, you know, kind of prepare yourself allows you to kind of drive through it. Exactly. And, and he knows that, you know, I'll never miss a show unless like I truly have to. But even, you know, when that time, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see when that time comes. But, you know, he knows as of now, I will never have to miss a show. And that, that confidence and I'll, goes I'll always confidence be there. a long way. So. I mean, it's, it's that loyalty. It's the confidence and um, the consistency. And I think when you talked about your gear, it's that consistency of everything that you do and the partnerships that you have with, with you know, your fellow you know, bandmates, um, that's when things tighten up and that's when things pop and that's where the fans start to really feel like they're part of that show. When, when, I mean, you've been touring and you've been playing a long time and I don't want to ask this question because you're, you're dissing any other places that you've played, but what are some <laughs> of the coolest experiences that you've had as a drummer on a stage no matter how big or small yeah. some of the ones that kind of touched you um just differently maybe it's because you had a bunch of family in there whatever it was what are some of those moments that you said this was one of my favorite shows just because and what were those just becauses yeah. um so last year we got to do two headlining nights in madison square garden and being from new york you know it's the mecca and I think just even regardless of if you're not from New York, like that is still the mecca of places to play. And I had like majority of my family there, which was amazing. And uh, it was, you know, that was definitely a highlight, something I'll never forget. And we were direct support on a tour in 2018 with Jason Aldean. And we got to play it that time. But, you know, it's still different headlining it. You know, it's your show. Yep. Uh, so that was one that, I'll never forget. And it's funny because it flew by. Both shows flew by so quickly. And I was like, it's over? Can we do one more night? That's awesome. But um, that and then remember in 2019, we got the headline Red Rocks on Mother's Day. And my family came up, my parents and uh, my cousin, who's based in Denver now, uh, the three of them came out to the show. And then like one of my best friends, she came out to the show too, which is really cool. Um, and uh, say, you know, those were both great. And then playing these stadiums is really cool. You know, each one's different. It's like you, you watch them on, you know, you watch these football games where these teams are playing and then yep. you're in that stadium playing these shows. And I think with those, it's not, I feel like it's not gonna be like one's better than the other. They're all such a unique thing. Yep. Um, and then we've been overseas a bunch now. And it's just, I love to travel and it's just really neat to be able to see the world doing what you love with a wonderful group of people that you get to be surrounded with day in and day out. And we flew back overseas in March to finish off this festival called C2C that 
we were supposed to do in 2020 or we were doing and then we had to fly home due to everything going on so we were in glasgow dublin and london and in london um ed sheeran came to the show because him and luke are buddies yep which is cool and we've been covering dive since 2016. so originally ed was not gonna play the song with us and he was like i want to do it with you guys so we had to play dive with ed sheeran which is super cool that's awesome. and then um in nashville in 2019 we finished our tour here we did two nights in a row at the hockey arena and for those shows you have to have a guest or two guests i guess each night and the first night we had keith urban who came to the sound check did the sound check with us with the song he was going to do super super nice guy and i got to you know play one of our biggest songs with him which was really cool because he's an incredible player uh you know incredible vocalist and he was like you guys sound amazing and you guys are a great band and all that stuff and to get those words of yeah. affirmation from him was really cool and well, humbling congratulations so. on a career that I, I think you've always kind of looked back on where it came from and and have been true to yourself true to your your roots and, and everybody that's been part of that you know journey with you so congrats on where it's gotten you and, and those experiences that you're having right now i i couldn't be happy you. for you and thanks for sharing some times with with me right now and some of the stories and everything that's going on with you and good luck with everything that you're doing please stay part of the interstate music family and and uh, stay in touch yeah of course that's awesome hey everybody this has been the interstate of music podcast with jake summers touring touring drummer for Luke Combs presently and and uh, somebody that's just constantly working on his craft. So uh, hope, hopefully you listened to how important it is to not just think that you've made it uh, as a touring musician and there's always work to be done. So thanks again for being part of the show. Of course, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.